If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Hello, it's Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And I'm currently wondering why every time we start this podcast, I get nervous. And I'm like, (laughs) what do I say when every single time we do it, it's the exact same thing? But you know what I really love is you make the face that that emoji makes where it's like the normal eyes, but all of the teeth, like both rows of teeth are showing. It's just like a what's about to happen what do i do (laughs) where am i not that i haven't (laughs) been doing this for three years (laughs) we don't record every week or anything you know sometimes twice a week sometimes sometimes oftentimes oftentimes usually we screw up and after we record something yeah yeah that's us that's that's just who we are that's who we are but you'll never know it because we have editors who make us look better Mm mm-hmm Although I will say, okay, our editors are amazing, not to discredit them, but I was listening to our last encounters, last the ones we posted two weeks ago, and we were like, our episodes are usually three hours, and then they cut it down to an hour and a half. I don't think we've ever recorded three hours, to be quite honest. There was that one time, though, where we made it like two hours and 56 minutes. That's true. But I think that episode still was like two and a half hours, because it was like a long episode. We don't cut an hour and a half of content. Usually about 15 minutes of fluff to cut. Whether it's something we say that we're embarrassed about, something maybe we mispronounce. I sometimes say like 30 times in a row. Sorry. Sometimes we scarf down food and burp before. Sometimes we have to take pee breaks in the middle because oftentimes our bladders are smaller. I learned on TikTok that we've all been peeing wrong. What do you mean? I'm going to teach you how to pee right now. Please. For women, the way that this TikToker told me my bladder is is that when I sit like a normal person, or like many people have been, when you sit on the toilet Mm -hmm. and your back is kind of straight and you're sitting like you just sit in a chair, a third of your bladder is blocked. And so the reason you have to go to the bathroom so much is because you're not actually releasing all of the urine that is currently in your bladder when you go to the bathroom like that. So how am I supposed to pee? You're supposed to lean forward, like kind of put rest your arms on your knees, kind of like a like a cowboy version. I don't know. I've been doing it though. And I don't know if it's a placebo effect or what, but I'm peeing less. Interesting. I need a second source. I know you've been using TikTok a lot, Corinne, but I, I feel like I need a second source to confirm this because I'm not so inclined. They said they were a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the most inclined to trust a TikTok video. I learn everything from there now. <laughs> so that's it for me. I'm done. All you kids, you don't need school. You have TikTok. <laughs> oh, gosh. Don't start that, Corinne. Uh, I won't. I won't. I promise. Uh, this is an Encounters episode. Encounters. 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 The last one is a good little opera, Phantom of the Opera action. 
Yeah, that's my new career. That's a new skill you've acquired during this pandemic. Yeah, there's just me singing in my room and Nick in his office being like, can you stop? (laughs) (laughs) One of us is employed. (laughs) Hey, I'm employed now, officially. Now you are, now you are, yes. But it was fun to think that you weren't for a moment and singing opera in Nick's (laughs) ear as he's trying to be a salesman. Yeah, it was a good, uh, good imagination. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Oh my God. Sure. You're acting as if I've never asked if you want to go first before. (laughs) Have I failed in our friendship? No, 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 no. I just, for a brief second, I forgot where we were, you know? Oh. <laughs> I was like, have I set up an awful energy and environment for you where you never think that you get to go work? <laughs> no, I quite often go first. I think we switch every time. <laughs> Probably. Okay. I have an email from Marie. I'm going to be honest. There was that one time that I said, I love when people send us like emails with ridiculous subject lines because it catches our attention. And that's what I had to do for my advisor in college. This subject line caught my eye and it's not even a made up one. So the subject line is Dick had finally found his llama and the kids aren't real. (laughs) And it's it tells you what it is. It's not a it wasn't just to draw me in. It's real. Okay. Good pitch. Okay. Hello, my two favorite ghostesses. Hoping you are having a lovely quarantine during this fine COVID-19 season. One of the things getting me through this time is your podcast and the wonderful community you guys have going on Facebook. Now, down to all things spooky. I have two stories for you from when I used to work at a haunted bakery. One is slightly terrifying and the other is more heartwarming. I will start with the heartwarming. Our business was owned by two men who had no idea with anything to do with the baking world or food industry. All they knew was that they liked money and knew how to make it, which was totally fine by me. One of the owners, his name was Dick, his real name was Richard, but we called him Dick, was a very sweet, kind, caring, passionate man who understood our drive for the business and the love in our heart we had for food. The other one, Sean, let's just say I always felt he was more of a Richard, if you know what I mean, insert Mm -hmm. eye roll. One of Dick's most prized possessions was his llama farm. He collected rare llamas from around the world and absolutely doted on them. They always had the best food, the best care, the best lives. And the ongoing joke was that we would all kill to get the chance to be a llama on this man's farm because of how well they were treated and how much he cared and admired for them. I love that. I know. Much to our dismay, Dick tragically passed away after a fall down the stairs in his home. We were all beyond heartbroken to see the passing of a man who we all cared for and loved so deeply. Until we realized he wasn't really gone. Now the bakery had been known for being haunted, so we were no stranger to flickering lights, music turning on and off, glitches, screaming, children's giggles, adult giggles, which are far more creepier than a child's when you're alone at 3 a.m. baking bread. (sighs) And many more fun signs that let us know we were not alone. However, after Dick's passing, things got way worse. The lights were flickering constantly to the point where I was concerned that it was a fire hazard. We had to unplug and remove the stereo system due to the fact that it was just going rogue, turning off and on, no volume, max volume, changing stations, etc. It was getting fairly difficult to focus with the day-to-day chaos brought on by Dick's death. Now, we all had the common sense to know it was Dick because second to his llama farm, The bakery was his other prized possession. One day at work over morning coffee, my coworkers and I were discussing the concept of Dick still being here and why he was still in the building. Joking around, I said, his soul is still here because he's waiting to be reincarnated as a llama, you guys. 
Well, as soon as I said that, the lights in the building all turned on as bright as they could and then completely browned out. My coworkers were horrified. I tried to keep my tone light and said out loud, Don't worry, Dick. One day your llama will come and you'll be free. Just try to remember to bring us eggs from the farm if you can. I worked for roughly three more months until I was unfortunately laid off due to financial difficulties with the company that they were facing in the wake of Dick's passing. However, I kept close contact with the employees who still worked there, and apparently the paranormal activity remained for months past my termination until one day it completely stopped. No one could explain it until one of Dick's old farmhands stopped by to get coffee, and he told us with delight that the farm was still doing well and he knew Dick would be incredibly pleased with how things were being run. The farmhand beamed with pride as he told them that the week before, a new llama had been born on Wednesday. My coworkers were amazed because that was the exact same day that they noticed the lack of activity. We were right. Dick had finally found his llama. The next story is kind of terrifying. Same bakery, same haunting, before Dick passed away. We had a ton of issues with random lights coming on and off. The radio, doors slamming and opening, doors unlocking themselves, the whole shebang. The bakery was in a three-story high historic building, well known in the town for being terrifying. People had seen shapes in the attic windows when no one was up there. Lights would turn on in the middle of the night before I got there, etc. And I had met my boyfriend at the time through work, and he and I had an overlapping shift, meaning his shift started at four and mine ended at six. I always wound up staying a little later to hang out with him and help him finish his work because if we're being real, he was a bit of a slacker. (laughs) The day had started normal as always. Roughly about 8 p.m., he and I were all alone in the bakery. Lights were off. The front of the house staff had left for the evening. And he and I were just finishing up some cookies before we called it a night. All of a sudden, I heard the radio turn on in the dining room. I got annoyed and yelled at my boyfriend. And I said, Joseph, stop fucking around. I'm doing your work off the clock. The least you could do is be in the same room as me. And I heard a mumble from the supply closet that I realized was him. He told me he hadn't left the room and he was cleaning up the closet because he spilled cocoa powder in it. I sighed, cursed the ghost for trying to scare us, and went into the dining room to unplug the radio and continue scooping cookies. I went back into the kitchen, and before I even reached the table, I heard little feet running and a child's laugh from the dining room. Immediately, I was terrified. We had an event that just left maybe 30 minutes before, and there were many children at this party, and so I thought maybe this one had gotten lost in the giant building. I quickly grabbed my boyfriend so we could find this kid and find out how to ship it back to its parents before he was officially our problem for the evening. We turned on all the lights and began hunting under tables, chairs, couches, etc., looking for this kid, offering promises of cupcakes and cookies if he would come out and help us get him home. We were ready to give up when we heard the child's giggle and footsteps above us on the second floor. This fucking kid, I thought to myself as I made a mental note to refill my birth control because I never wanted this to be my problem. There were two open sets of stairs that led to the second floor. I took one while making my boyfriend take the other in hopes that we could corral this child before he damages himself or something else in the building. My boyfriend and I took our assigned staircases and headed up, each carrying a chocolate chip cookie as bait to lure this child out so we could return (laughs) him home. It works for most stray animals, so I thought it would work for a child. My boyfriend and I met on the second floor with still no sign of this damn child. We had searched every room, had every light on, and had opened every single door. There was no way this child could hide from us unless he made a move to the attic or to the basement. And as if reading my mind, I heard the giggle and footsteps again, this time from the attic. I was furious at this point. The attic was full of rusty sharp objects, weak flooring, and all in all, just a lawsuit waiting to happen for this damn kid. 
Enraged, I went up to rip open the attic door so I could drag this brat down to his family and officially get him off my hands. However, much to my dismay, the attic door was locked. The week prior, a couple of employees were found having some less than wholesome fun in the attic, which resulted in a deadbolt being placed on the door with the key only available through maintenance. While pulling on the door handle, reality hit me like a ton of bricks. This is not a real kid. Those laughs were not real. Those were not real feet. This is the ghost doing its usual shenanigans. The horror of the situation was only amplified by the continued giggling I kept hearing from upstairs while I was aggressively pulling on the locked door to make sure it was just that, locked. My boyfriend was not one to believe in the paranormal, so he immediately tried to dismiss the situation as both of us being paranoid. I, being the realist I am with tons of paranormal experiences, knew what we were hearing was not a real child and that I was going to get the F out of there before the ghost moseyed back down those stairs. And so I quickly ran downstairs, grabbed my car keys, and of course chucked the cookie scoop at my boyfriend and said, see you tomorrow, try not to die. He was real offended that I would leave over this and said, babe, what about the buddy system? I said, yeah, you're on your own, buddy. I yelled over my shoulder as I ran out the door. I was not about to be killed by a ghost, unpaid due to my boyfriend's laziness. No way, no how. Paranormal activity still occurs in this building, and I've heard many stories very similar to mine, and it kind of warms my heart that the ghost chose to mess with everyone, not just me. Thank you for reading my stories. Feel free to read. Have a great day. Stay spooky and stay safe during these already frightening times. Marie. That's wild. That is so spooky and yet like fun and yet heartwarming. And also if you're a child and you're a ghost, I would totally pick to be stuck there because you're just smelling sweets and cookies and fresh bread all day long. Right. That's so fun. I guess even if I was just a normal ghost, not even just a kid. (laughs) Exactly. And then you feel like you're playing hide and seek because the people there actually go looking for you and recognize you. Mm -hmm. And so it's even more fun because you're not just ignored all day. Yeah. You get to interact. I love it. You're right. I would probably do the exact same thing. And that dick was reincarnated as a llama. Oh, so sweet. He finally got to live out his dream life of being a llama, Mm -hmm. which does make me wonder. I know we've discussed it before, but I'm always curious as to if people get to also be reincarnated as animals because they so desire to be because it's part of maybe reincarnation or if people just are animals because they're not really meant to live a full life in that time period, but they are traveling souls with someone else and they need to have some sort of part. Like I always thought about that with my dog. Like I thought, I thought he was a traveling soul with us. I bet he is. He'll come back. I think he was for sure. I think he'll be reincarnated into your life and somehow. My baby. Maybe. Or your boyfriend. Well, (laughs) my boyfriend's not eight years old, so. He could be right now. (laughs) No. Not for me. Thank you very much. I know. It's so weird when you think about it in that perspective, though. Like, as for example, I'm going to call out my mom because she doesn't listen. So (laughs) uh, sometimes she does. She will listen to this one just because I'm calling her out. She was dating when I was in high school. She was dating a guy who was closer in age to my brother than he was to her, which when you think about it, like he was probably like 25 or whatever, and she was 45. So like, it's a big difference. But when you put those numbers, 25 and 45 together, it's not that bad. But when you say like, oh, for you, like, like right now you're 26 and your lover could be eight. That's weird. That's really weird. And I say thank you for bringing it up, but I don't want to participate. You politely decline. I declined. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm glad you do. I was, you know, I give my mom a little crap for what she was doing. It reminds me of Twilight. 
when uh what's his face imprints on Ooh, on her baby yeah. sometimes the world is icky <laughs> many times the world is icky oh speaking of icky sorry real quick have you watched the epstein documentary no not yet because i'm going hard on outer banks oh god it's so tough i haven't watched a documentary but i did listen to the podcast and it's interesting because i feel like all these podcasts that i listened to a year ago just like the Joe Exotic with Tiger King, everything's being made into a documentary. And so now I get similar storylines and similar interviews, but you get to put faces to voices mm. and it's disturbing. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good documentary, but really fucked up and hard to watch. Yeah. No, I, I know enough about what he did to... To know it's bad. Bad, bad man. Bad, bad. But I hear that the documentary is well put together. It is. Yeah. All right. What okay. do you have? This is from Kaya. I think last episode I had said that I had gone to the the P.O. box. And so she had written a letter. And since it's in Encounters, I figured I would read it. Oh, I love it. Okay. She wrote, disclaimer, I haven't finished all of the episodes. I've only finished up to episode 57. But she's cranking. Yeah. Wow. Hello. I'll start off by saying that I am a seventh grader. Am 12, 13 on May 11th. So she already had her birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And I love the paranormal. I found your thrilling podcast near the end of sixth grade. Oh, the days. And fell even further into love with the paranormal. I'm not sure you know this, but your podcast isn't just about ghosts. It includes facts about history and places in and out of the U.S. I just love it so much. I'm so excited but nervous to write this. I have so many stories and my mom and I have a sixth sense for the paranormal. It's interesting since we will have different feelings at the same place. For example, I was in a little town right outside of Las Vegas with her, her boyfriend, and some of his family. They're adults and they like to drink, so we all visited a brewery or two. Kid-friendly, and I give them many thanks for that. (laughs) One place gave me the feeling, but not her. I was barely able to leave her side without getting completely overwhelmed by the feeling of someone or something watching me. Ooh. Afterwards... I asked my mom and she said, I didn't feel a thing. Weird. Although I'd argue your mom had a beverage in her. So maybe she didn't, maybe she didn't feel anything because of that. I feel like sometimes it dulls your senses. Right. Yeah, that's so true. It could do both. It could do either. It could make it worse or shut it off. In that same town, we found an oddities shop. My favorite. And there was so much weird and fascinating stuff. And I was going everywhere with so much excitement. But then I bounded over to this one beautiful jewelry station and was overwhelmed suddenly by the feeling of dread and feeling miserable. It came on so quickly and so unexpectedly, and I stopped in my tracks. Remember, I was gleeful before, but now I'm heavy and I'm dull. The store clerk came over and said, we can't find what it's coming from, but we know it's there and we can feel it too. Without any context of my feeling, my mom comes over and then she stops suddenly, as I did. And we exchanged glances of understanding. Her boyfriend came over and started looking around, completely unfazed. (laughs) As we were turning to head out, the store clerk got my attention and said, Only certain people can feel. You are special. Remember that. Oh, that's so sweet. It's so sweet. It's kind of like the, I feel like it's the moment that you're like knighted as a witch. You know, you get your, your letter from Hagrid. From Hogwarts, you mean? Yeah, but didn't Hagrid deliver it? Well, the owls technically deliver it. And then Hagrid had to deliver Harry's because he didn't get his. Ah, okay. Well, clearly I need to rewatch it. (laughs) Or read. Ooh, I need to read them. Okay. This next one is not the scariest I've ever had, but it's still pretty terrifying. 
My neighbor and I used to be really good friends. Long, sad, hard, and painful story. And had a path that ran between our houses. On my side of the path, which was separated by a ditch, I had my trampoline. And we were jumping and playing games and got tired. So we sat down without saying anything. After a few moments of silence, we hear footsteps. I whip my head around towards the ditch and immediately follow up by asking, Did you hear that? He responds by saying, Yeah, I did. What was that? And we soon discover that I heard footsteps from the ditch, but he heard them on my deck. To give you a visual, it goes, my house with a deck, my driveway, which is where the path is, the trampoline, the ditch, the clearing, and his house. We heard footsteps on opposite sides of the trampoline, and we freaked out when we ran up my driveway. These are some of my stories, and I left out some stories that aren't mine. Creepy farm family and Stanley Hotel, UFO sightings and dreams that predict the future. We don't have a personal connection, but warm regards, because I feel like we do. Oh, and can be informal with my ghostesses. See you on the other side, Kaya. And then she also does a few PS and PPS and PPPS. <laughs> One of them, I just have to say, it's hilarious. She admits to buying into our pyramid scheme, and I just love that. Yes. Yes, Kaya. Yes, Kaya. Do it. Wow. Okay. She clearly is very open and has a connection to the other side. I'm so curious what it is that they all felt in that one spot by the jewelry, but that her mom's boyfriend didn't. The staff that was working that day came over and was like, yeah, it must be so interesting for them to watch as sort of like these observers, these spectators who just work every day in the store and see who comes in and just kind of bops around. And then recognizing the people that are sensitive that get to this one point and have this sort of visceral reaction And it must be so interesting for them to kind of witness that. And I would even probably try to make it a game and be like, do you think this one's going to notice? Do you think that one's going to notice? Oh, that's so funny. But then also, like, if you're working there and you're like, I feel this every day, but I've never been able to determine what it is. You're probably also like hoping that maybe one day someone will come in to be able to explain it. I know the mystery. Mm -hmm. And is it even a thing? Is it an object that's in the space or is there just a general vibe within that one area? It makes me want to go in, you know, when you get your cards read, how sometimes they say, like, pick out a card. So I've had it before where people say, put your hand over and like move your hand over. And wherever you feel sort of that heat or a vibration, that card is the one calling to you. So that's the one you pick. And it makes me think sort of Reiki style going through the store with your hands and trying to expose yourself to any vibrations and and different energy and and wondering if you could potentially find the item or the exact spot that way. Well, it's interesting because I think last episode we were talking about ley lines and how Mm -hmm. they're they're all over the world. And it's just like they have these intersecting spots that tend to be really big, high energy. A lot of paranormal activity happens around the area. Like it could be something like that too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I want the name of this place. Let's go. Let's go on a road trip. I know. I love those types of shops. Spirit Dancer, Burlington, Vermont. I always, I've talked about that one plenty. It's awesome. But any of those mystical type of shops are just the best. I love oddity shops. Me too. They're so fun to go in. And the people who work there are always the best. Yes. So great. So great. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. 
Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Okay, I have a story from Colton. And it's called Bloody Mary is Real. But it's funny because Colton put an asterisk where the A is because they didn't want to say it. Oh, to say Bloody Mary. Mm -hmm. Well, I only said it once and I'm not going to say it again. So I'm safe. Then don't look into a mirror. Does it count if you're looking into my mirror? Yeah, technically I'm looking into a reflection of both myself in this video call and then you have a mirror, a full Full wall length mirror behind you. So we're screwed. This is fine. Should we like not read it? I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Leave everyone hanging? Okay. So Colton says, hi, ladies. I'm just about caught up and I don't know what the hell I'm going to listen to while I wait for the next episode. I've emailed you some ghost stories a while ago and still hope I'll hear them get read by y'all. But anyway, here is my story and my experience with Bloody Mary. Again, asterisk day. I'm going to have to say it multiple times. That's okay. Just don't say it in a row. Excuse the censoring, but her name brings me extreme amounts of anxiety and fear. So a couple of years ago, when I was 19, I decided I was going to try and see if the legend was real. I now realize how shitty it was to do that. I waited until the witching hour, considering the line between our world and the paranormal is at its thinnest. Anyway, I get a candle and I light it and I turn off the bathroom lights. I look into the mirror and chant her cursed name three times and then blow out my candle and wait. To my relief, nothing happened. So I tried three more times and nothing happened. Or so I thought. I didn't see anything for about five minutes, so I went to leave the bathroom when all of a sudden my body felt paralyzed. I felt an evil presence fall upon me. As the fear grew inside, I felt a finger run across the back of my neck. Ooh. And then I heard breathing coming from my shower, which was a few feet away where the curtain was closed. I could see the outline of a shadow of a female figure twitching behind it. I felt a stabbing pain in my chest and a faint female laugh, and then I passed out. I woke up about 20 minutes later, thinking I was dreaming, until I realized I was now laying in the bathtub and had two scratches across my chest. I quickly got up and went and laid in my bed and cuddled my dog. Never again do I want to experience her, and I highly recommend nobody else tries to summon her. Anyway, stay spooky and keep doing what you're doing. Can't wait for the live show in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hint, hint. Just kidding. Or am I? Anyway, see you all on the other side. Bye! Colton. Oh my goodness. I mean, I would argue that this might be one of the more terrifying Bloody Mary experiences we've read. This is jam-packed with everything. Mm -hmm. And to be alone and to pass out and to wake up in the exact site that you had previously heard breathing, seen a shadow and experienced a scratch. Yep. Nope. Yep. Yep. That's where, yep. No, I don't like it. Oh, when you said the finger running across the neck, Oh my gosh, I about gagged. It's just the worst visual. And it almost feels like Bloody Mary was kind of everywhere. Like she rubbed a finger against Colton's neck and Ah. then was in the shower simultaneously. And then there was a laugh that kind of felt like it was almost like echoing through the whole bathroom, coming from all directions. Ooh. 
And let's not forget that when you practice this Bloody Mary chant, you're in darkness, entrapped inside of a bathroom, oftentimes alone. So already the setting is ominous and creepy. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, to have less of an isolated section in the mirror or in the bathroom that you have to fear and to have it come from all over. I'm sorry, like the whole room just like feels like it just got darker. In your... In my room. I feel like it did because it just... (gasps) What? Not to freak you out, but it keeps even your video is going like darker, no. lighter, darker, lighter. What do I do? What do I do? Was your closet open before we started recording? <laughs> it's, no, it's cracked. It's just cracked a little oh bit. Oh my god, Corinne! Sorry, sorry, sorry. My heart just dropped. You did, and you didn't even look behind you. You were just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I have tears. That was poor phrasing on my part. Yeah, closet stayed the way it has. Okay, I have Leia behind me, and she's mindlessly licking herself so i imagine that's good she hasn't reacted strangely yeah because okay the thing that i was thinking of when the room went dark is that as much as i believe in bloody mary and i think that that ritual has some truth to it i also wonder in the same sense that like zozo takes over a ouija board if when you do the ritual if you say her name three times in a mirror and you're alone in there that you're almost welcoming any spirit And that Mm. a dark spirit can come in to your life and enter that room, that space, almost like playing with you because it knows that ritual. Right. No, that's a good point. And something that I never thought about, especially too, because Colton said the stabbing pain and and just the feeling of of like faintness. That's not the the right way to say it, but I'm losing my words and I hardly can speak English on a normal day. (laughs) But just those two things feels like a physical attack and maybe not necessarily a reaction of... I mean, it would be a response for anxiety, like the tightening of your chest and whatnot. But for it to be that quick and that triggered, followed by a fainting spell, mm-hmm. I don't know. It kind of feels... It's kind of like you lost time. Ooh. Yeah. Ah! All right. Well, one thing I'll never do <laughs> is do Bloody Mary. I've never done it. I did it as a kid, but I don't think anything ever happened. Yeah. I did it in an elementary school bathroom as a child as well, but we did not make it to the third Bloody Mary. And so I didn't complete the ritual to my own memory, at least. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Just let's keep it that way. Yep. Let's try. Okay. I have a encounters from Olivia. It's called Glitch in the Matrix. (gasps) Wait, is this the Olivia who's been tweeting us for the last week? I don't know. You're better at Twitter than me. I think it is. I'm positive it is actually. Okay. It must be because we always kind of try to pick stories from all over the place in terms of timeline. And so this is my one from that I picked from like, she sent it six days ago. Okay. Yes. So she was tweeting us and was like, I don't know what happened. And she didn't explain it. So I'm very excited that she emailed us. Here we go. Yay! It was meant to be. It was. Okay. Hey, Sabrina and Corinne. First off, love y'all and the show. I have a story that could be a premonition or a glitch in the matrix or maybe something else. I know this isn't a ghost story, but thought it still might be weird enough that I would share. Yes. Yes. This happened on Saturday, May 30th, 2020, around 3.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and all of the names here have been changed. I was mowing my yard and listening to September by Earth, Wind, and Fire in my AirPods. At the end of the song, when the horns and voices are fading out, I realized I was hearing a female voice saying, Gang's all here, before some background noise. 
That audio looped three times before I pulled my phone out of my pocket to see a friend of mine, Tracy, saying, gang's all here, and panning over to her boyfriend, Alex, and another friend, Martin, sitting in the yard swing. I tapped out of the video, saw Tracy sent a Snapchat video, and then I had sent a video, so I sent a new one asking if I accidentally recorded a pocket video. I finished mowing and FaceTimed Tracy around 4 or 5 p.m. We were talking about something else when I asked, oh, hey, did I send a pocket video? You never responded. She said, no, I didn't know what you were talking about, so I ignored it. I explained to her what I had seen, and she said that she never sent that video, that she never recorded it. It never happened. Oh. Plus, she hadn't seen Martin in days. Cut to a few hours later, Tracy shows up at my house with Alex. We go through the story again, and I describe the swing and the setting of the video. Alex shows me his phone background and asks if this was the swing that I saw. I said yes, and he said that it was a brand new swing, and they had just assembled it that day. He had never sat on it, and the only picture or video of the swing was the one on his background. Oh. He and I don't have each other's numbers and we're not friends on Facebook or Snapchat, so there's no way I could have seen this assembled swing before that moment. Plus, again, Martin was never there. We FaceTimed to the other person, Cam, in our Snapchat group, who said that they never saw what I saw or the pocket video in question. The next morning, I told the story on my Snapchat story to see if anyone else had any ideas about what might have happened. The only interesting response I got was from Martin. He said that there was something familiar about this scenario, but that what I described hadn't actually happened. Oh. I checked the timestamps. Tracy's video was sent at 12.01 p.m. My video response was at 12.02 p.m. And my pocket video question was at 3.50 p.m. This sounds confusing, but I'm basically saying that there wasn't a timestamp or receipt for the mysterious video in question. If it had just been audio, I would chalk it up to a Bluetooth glitch, but I absolutely heard and saw this video. See you on the other side, Olivia. I'm a bit flabbergasted by it because it really does feel like a time slip and maybe this happened in a different timeline. Yes. Really, really weird. And it actually, not to make this story about me, but it does remind me of, I've had a few weird instances with my phone. And now that we talk about glitches, this is something that comes to mind. But one specific moment was in high school, I was going to a movie with my friend, Abby, And we were texting back and forth about how we would get there because we were under 16 and who would drive us. And we had a full conversation. My mom was driving us to the movie theater. And then she said, great, my mom can pick us up and drive us home. And I remember standing in the kitchen with my mom reading the text message saying, Margie's going to drive us home. And my mom saying, great. Mm -hmm. And then my mom remembers that whole situation too and, and me reading off my phone. And then after we go to the movies, we're waiting And I was like, where's your mom? And she was like, my mom, I thought, wait, you said your mom was picking us up. And I was like, no. And both of us had totally different experiences with our text messages on our phone. And when we both went to look, there was absolutely no evidence of anything. Like the conversation hadn't happened. And this is what this reminds me of. It's like something as simple as just sending your friend a video like, hey, look, I'm with my friends or like we're on a swing. And then for every single person involved to have no recollection of it ever happening, nor could it have happened. And yet one person from the group, Martin, was like, this does feel really familiar. It's so weird because it's like that. Gosh, it brings up so many questions because it's like, it makes me wonder if, say there are parallel timelines that are happening Mm -hmm. all at the same time. And if there are these slips like this, and then also like weird memory things where Martin does have a familiar feeling. Right. Are we then 
connected to those beings and somehow share share experiences without really knowing that we're sharing experiences. And that's why things seem familiar because it happened in another timeline. Are they even different beings or perhaps Ah! not to bring in reincarnation? I feel like I always fall back on reincarnation, but it makes me think like our soul remembers past lives, but could our soul be split into many different pieces living out simultaneous lives and has some familiarity or like understands some sort of resemblance of other lives, but doesn't quite remember them when put all back together. And then does every timeline or like in every timeline, do you have to die at the same time? It does it have to be the same way or like do you die many, many deaths, but all at the same time? And then do your, do your soul come together and as one when you're a ghost or I don't know. Also, how does time work and how do these other timelines work? I am so flabbergasted. This is blowing my mind. I can't even follow. <laughs> my mind isn't open enough to have this conversation. I can't can't even fathom it. Too many questions. I wish I still had my trampoline so that I could jump into another timeline. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could just drive back up to my parents' house in Vermont. And well, we don't have the trampoline anymore. But if we had <laughs> the trampoline, just like watch the stars at night in the sky because it's so clear there. And just have this sort of conversation, but at night watching the stars when it's like so creepy. That was my favorite. I loved that. It was so great. It was both the spookiest thing and the most relaxing and peaceful thing simultaneously. Yeah. It's like sitting out by a lake late at night, which is like really scary and ominous because you don't know what's in the lake. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of in like a woodsy environment, but then you're looking up at the stars. Yeah. One of my favorite feelings. Unfortunately, you and I are both in light polluted cities and can't easily <laughs> find this experience on Sad. within a few moments. We have to really plan for these things. All right. Well, let's plan for it. Let's add it to our list of things that we want to do when we can road trip. Great. Great. Okay. This is from Sydney and it's called, We Are Friends with the Scarlet Lady. Hi, ladies. My name is Sydney and I am a ghost tour guide in Austin, Texas. And oh boy, have I seen some things. The largest reaction I had was on my last tour before we had a shutdown for quarantine. We go to four different locations on our tour, the last of which is often the most active. It is now an Indian restaurant, but it was originally a grocery store in the 1880s. And as it often goes, lots of history equals lots of ghosts. Anyway, back in the day, the owner of this grocery store connected a tunnel from his establishment to a brothel next door. So many of the women from the brothel would come down to the basement of the store to meet men. One ghost we encounter a lot is that of the woman named April, or the Scarlet Lady, as she is known for her scandalous red dresses. The reason April is still in this location is because she was actually killed in the cellar of the store. As the story goes, it was found out that April was tutoring a young black boy on how to read and write in her spare time, and the racist powers that be couldn't stand it. She was shot in a raid, and her body was left in the tunnel between the brothel and the store. And after discovering her body... The store owner simply bricked up his end of the tunnel and left her there. So disrespectful. That's just some of the history, but April is still very active in this space, and in a weird way, she feels like a friend to all of us tour guides. Probably because she's a badass woman and she loves that all us tour guides are also badass women. On my last tour, we were down in this cellar, and I mentioned that the man who planned this raid that then killed April was a bigot. I know I shouldn't insult ghosts, but it felt justified, and as I said that, April turned all the lights almost completely off before returning them to full brightness. My group pleaded with me not to say that again, but you know, April understands. We got to tear down that patriarchy. 
The rest of the time we were in this space, the lights continued to flicker and dim, which April often does when we are in her space. And while my group was definitely scared, I was happy to know April knows that we as tour guides are telling her story. I will definitely send more of my experiences because I'm putting myself on the front line of ghost encounters every week. Thanks for all the spookiness. Oh, and Sabrina, I love Prodigal Son. So thank you for that as well. And of course, see you ladies on the other side, Sydney. Wow. How thrilling to be on that tour and to see the actual response, like real time. But also how cool to be a tour guide and just be on a first name basis buddy system with ghosts. (laughs) That's true. Like, I got you, girl. Yeah. I will tell your story. I will tell people what happened to you and about this man. And then Spirit's like, yes, keep on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know like turning lights on and off is definitely a scary experience. Granted, it just happened to me where my room dimmed, even though no lights are on and it's weird. (laughs) And I got scared by it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Right. Yeah. No, that's super cool. That's, I don't know. I know that like in the moment it can be probably pretty scary, but I think all in all, like that's a pretty cool place to be working and, and spirits to have around you. Yeah. I've always wanted to be a ghost tour guide. I feel like it'd be such a fun job. It would until, I mean, I think you probably have other responsibilities beyond just touring with a large group of people. And I'm sure there are plenty of moments where you're entirely alone on the (laughs) property and have a job to do. And so that's the part I don't want to do. True. Just the fun stuff. You want the fun part of it. Yeah. I want the fun part of it where I'm protected by hordes of other people. True. Okay. This is from Ian, and it's called Mrs. Walker and Other Fun Things That Kept Me Up at Night. Ooh. First of all, just wanted to say that my girl and I are in love with your podcast. It was difficult for us to find one that the two of us could get into together. She had started listening to the Lore podcast, and I'm a last podcast on the left kind of guy. So when we came across Two Girls, One Ghost, it was like the best of both worlds. Hey, girls. I'm writing in tonight to tell you a few spooky stories, all of which happened in a house that I grew up in. In Jersey. A. Yes. A. Fellow Jerseyan. First, the closet story. At my old house when I was still a kid, the closet in my room had this little cubby hole all the way in the back that was blocked by a dresser. Being too scrawny, I was never able to slash never thought to move my dresser to see what was behind the fake wall. When I got older and my sisters moved out, I moved my room downstairs and had completely forgot about the cubby hole. Well, my father and I ended up moving in February of this year. And on my last night there, I was going through the house one last time, walking around, smoking some herbs, and just living in my memories. I go upstairs and I open the closet door to see this little cubbyhole. I thought, well, if I don't look in it now, I'll never know what's behind it. Pretty sure this is how the beginning of every horror movie happens. (laughs) Hey, let me just open up this hole in the wall that's been locked my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) So I get down on all fours. And the cubby hole is maybe a foot and a half by a foot and a half. And I yank the wall away. I try to peek in and I can see something in the way back of what I can only describe as a narrow corridor. I never even knew that there was that much space behind my closet and walls. I grab my phone and I shine the flashlight in and in the far back of this corridor type deal was a little white rocking chair with a little girl's blanket hanging off of the seat and a little doll in the corner. I nearly shit slash pissed myself as I scurried backwards. I stood in my old room, staring at the closet in legit frozen fear, remembering all the nights that I used to hear noises in the crawl space above my bed 
which was right next to the wall behind <gasps> my closet. Oh my god! I bent down to look in again, and this time I studied what I was looking at more carefully. The chair was covered in dust, as was the doll and blanket, but when I looked around the inside of that corridor, it looked as if someone had been there semi-recently, as there were spots on the floor where there were no dust. Not entirely clean, but you could tell something or someone was crawling inside. Needless to say, I slammed that closet door shut. I ran down the stairs and ran the hell out of that house for the last time ever. Now, the side story. Take the story with a grain of salt if you need to, but this is the story that my dad has been telling me for years. And never once have his details or the story changed. I should say that my father does like to goof around and will sometimes embellish the truth from time to time, but the fact that he's never told me a different version over all of these years and the fact that I saw what I saw in that closet and have experienced everything that I have in that house, I don't think for a second that he's lying. So the story goes like this. My father was in the back room late at night and my sisters and I were all asleep. My mother was asleep upstairs and my father was folding laundry, smoking and watching TV He had all of the incense lit and all of the lights off. The only light in the house at the moment was from the glow of the TV. And he said that in the corner of his eye, he saw movement in the hallway. Now, the way the house was set up was you could see from the back room, through the kitchen, down the hall, and into my sister's room if the door was open. He thought maybe it was one of my sisters going to the bathroom, which was off of the hall. After folding another towel or two, he noticed her doorway was still shut and there was no light in the bathroom, thinking, well... Maybe I'm just a little too high. I must be imagining things. (laughs) He goes back to folding. Maybe a minute or two later, he thought he saw something again, only this time in the kitchen. Now, as a kid, I used to sleepwalk. A lot. There were times that I'd go downstairs in the middle of the night and move things around in the kitchen and take things back upstairs with me. I'd wake up with napkins and plates and cups in my bed. (laughs) He sounds hungry or thirsty. Snacking. (laughs) So my dad, thinking that it was me sleepwalking, called my name. He claims he heard a little laugh, like a little snicker, coming from the kitchen. He gets up, walks through his cloud of incense and pot smoke, and turns on the kitchen light. Nothing. Turns the lights off, goes back to the back room, sits down, and in that exact moment, he felt something watching him. Oh. He turns his head quick to look into the kitchen, and he saw an old lady in a rocking chair formed out of the smoke, two feet from him, right in front of the doorway to the kitchen. He froze for a second. Again, he was probably thinking he was a little too high for his own good. And he said that she turned to look at him and he freaked out and threw the washcloth that he had in his hand at her and threw her torso. The smoke dispersed and then quickly came back to form the old lady. Oh, he said that she picked up the washcloth and threw it back at him. He jumped up and ran through the smoke slash through her, getting serious chills as he ran through the smoke. He runs up the stairs, through my bedroom, into his, jumps over my mom asleep in bed, and laid down on the side, practically hiding under the covers for the remainder of the night. (laughs) The next morning, he said he went downstairs, and the washcloth that he knows he threw into the kitchen was now on the other side of the couch, as if it really had been thrown back at him. The incense he had lit wasn't burned all the way down, but instead looked as if someone had pinched it out. Fast forward to years later, multiple instances later, and multiple other people in my family slash friends of the family saying that they felt things in the house, my dad and I do some research. Way before my parents moved in, before my one sister and I were even born, there was an older lady who eventually had lived on her own in that house and had unfortunately died in a house fire. Mrs. Walker. We found only a few photos, but the one that we found looked almost identical to how my dad had described 
the smoke ghost that he saw. The look in my dad's eyes when he saw the photo said it all. He had most definitely seen her ghost in the house. All the times we felt hands on our shoulders as we walked downstairs. All the times you'd get chills out of nowhere accompanied with the feeling of being watched. All of the laughter that we heard that I later found out everyone in my family individually heard on their own time. We were definitely being watched and sharing the house with Mrs. Walker's ghost. And possibly the ghost of a little girl. I have so many more stories from that house and I would love to share them with you. But my cat is currently staring at the bathroom door as if there was a demon on the other side. So I'm going to go ahead and end it here for now. I'll write again soon. Keep on creeping on, Ian. Wow. Okay. I literally just forwarded this email to my personal email so that I have it in my repertoire for when I'm telling ghost stories by the campfire. It's so good. Yeah. Wait, I love that you have done that because you texted me recently and and you were like, what are the names of some of the people who have sent us emails? Because you were trying to, to tell other people some of the stories that we tell on the podcast. Yeah. This story reminds me so much of the turn of the key book that we just read. Because so good. It's like he found this like weird boarded mm-hmm. up wall almost, and behind it was a rocking chair. Like someone had been like up there rocking in this chair. Yeah. And he was sleepwalking as a kid. Oh gosh, there's so many like elements of it that I know it's so creepy. And to I realized that he was awake when he was hearing some of the noises, like shuffling behind him in the Mm -hmm. walls, keeping him up at night, that now realizing how large that crawl space is and what was behind there feels like a little ghost girl would appear to be. Yeah. But my my very first thought when reading that was, what if while he sleepwalks, he's the one that goes in on all fours and crawls through the crawl space? Oh my gosh. No. (laughs) No. Oh, Ian. Corinne. Isn't that... I mean, it's a possibility. It is. But I'm hopeful that because he said it looked like a little kid was crawling, it's not him. Maybe when he right. was a child, it's possible. But it's he says that he found that chair recently. The chair and the doll had a bunch of dust on it, but the area around it looked as if someone was crawling. Right. But he found it recently, right? Yeah, no, he found it recently. Yeah. And too, he did say that he was scrawny enough when he was younger that he couldn't possibly move the furniture out of the way. So if he ever were crawling in that crawl space, it it would have been more of a possession. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And as much as Mrs. Walker seems like this scary old lady who just appears and is like, while while his dad is smoking, let's remember that she lived in this house for a long time. She died in a fire and she seems to be more of a protective spirit, especially if she pinched out the burning incense before the dad went to bed. Right. She was just trying to protect the house and probably was not a fan of the fact that he was smoking, burning incense and all of that at the same time because of what happened to her. Exactly. And it also makes me wonder too, I think we talked about this when we were talking about ayahuasca and how some people say that depending on on what you're doing, there's opportunities to like open up your mind or certain situations might be right where maybe if you had been in that exact same place at that exact same time, but had been in a different state that maybe you would have missed something or not seen something. And it makes right. me wonder if maybe like the combination of whatever his dad had done that night, if perhaps she was always there and she just kind of like appeared and then upon recognizing that he could see her, was like, ah, ha, 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 he finally sees me. This is joyous. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I'm trying to make her nice. I think she is nice. I totally believe that she's nice. But it doesn't change the fact that seeing her form in that way would be very frightening. 
it also makes me wonder if when Ian was sleepwalking, I'm just trying to think of grandmothers and, and just maternal figures and just any parental figure and the the desire to feed your child or, or a young person or anyone in your family. And it makes me wonder if maybe he, in his sleepwalking state, if Ian had gone into the kitchen and perhaps this little old ghost lady, Mrs. Walker, was like, here, honey, like, I'll help you and gives him everything he would need for a meal. Maybe. He ate ghost meals with Mrs. Walker in the middle of the night. That would be nice. Wouldn't it? I want a ghost to make me meals. That would be really fabulous. This is from Katie, and it's called Haunted by a Dementor? Question mark. Hello, spooky ladies. I'm going to jump right into the story so that it's hopefully not too long. I'd like to preface this by stating that the house I grew up in was and is definitely haunted. There are two entities that have made themselves known. One is a young boy who mostly presents himself during Christmas time and seems to enjoy looking at lights and decorations. His presence is neutral and curious, but not bad. The next entity, however, is dark and malevolent, and I was the lucky one to share a room with it. Wonderful. So my childhood bedroom seems to be the place that the dark presence resides in. He never materializes into a form that can be seen, but is more of an energy. And growing up, I always had terrible and vivid nightmares, the kind that would wake me up drenched in sweat, scrambling to turn the lights on. Most of these nightmares I have forgotten over the years, but there is one that has stayed with me. During my freshman year of college, I was having an abnormal amount of nightmares, and maybe it was because of the stress of college or exams, or maybe it was just because the entity in my room did not want me to move out. Whatever the cause was, it made it very hard to get a good night's rest. So one night, I went to bed just like any other night and eventually fell asleep. And my dream, in quotes, started off with me in a room, and it was night outside the window. This room looked to be from the early 1900s, a four-poster bed in the center, a writing desk near the window, and a small table by the bed with a candle illuminating the room. In that moment, the only emotion I felt was curiosity. I wanted to know where I was and why I was there. So I opened the door that entered into a long, dark hallway. Don't ask me why, but I walked out into the hallway and shut the door behind me without bringing the candle. But I still wasn't scared. I was curious. I walked down the hallway and noticed that there was some light flickering just beyond a bend. I turned the corner and saw a large stained glass window that was allowing moonlight to dance across the floors and walls. It was beautiful, mesmerizing. The colors seemed to shimmer and transition like a kaleidoscope. And while I was entranced by the moonlight, I heard something behind me. I turned slowly and saw a being floating above the ground. The best way I can describe this creature is that it looked a lot like a Dementor. It was covered in a shroud of tattered red fabric. The fabric covered its head and arms and lightly touched the ground where legs should have been. In that moment, I still was not scared. I just wanted to know what it was. So I took a few steps toward it and it continued to bobbingly float watching me, even though I couldn't see if it actually had eyes. I got close enough to it that I could reach out and touch it. But before I moved my hand, I caught a whiff of something odd. The smell was potent and bitter, and it made me pause for a second. And then the creature spoke. It asked in a weirdly familiar voice, Are you not scared? <gasps> and I answered, No. And very quickly, in the blink of an eye, the creature closes the space between us and was right in my face. The smell was even stronger than ever, and he started shouting, You should be! And with its long, gnarled fingers, it ripped the shroud from its face, and it revealed that the face was mine. My face was covered in blood, torn and disfigured. <gasps> it scared me so bad that I woke up. I was back in my bedroom with my dog asleep next to me, 
and she picked up her head and looked at the end of the bed. I tried to move but couldn't, and she started growling, and that's when I saw twisted fingers wrap themselves around the base of my bed, pulling at the sheets. The creature was dragging itself on top of me, and this time it was no longer sharing my face, but was something horrific. Its skin was charred black and oozing. It had sockets where I should have been and made screeching sounds from its limp jaw. I laid there, paralyzed in fear. I was unable to scream or move, and all of a sudden my dog jumped on the creature and ripped it from the bed. I'm awake again, back in my bedroom, but my dog was gone and I can finally move. I reach for my lamp faster than lightning and switch on the light. I was covered in sweat, breathing like I just ran a marathon, and tears were pouring down my face. I looked around for my dog so she could comfort me when I realized that my dog is actually dead. She had passed away a month before, and in my delirious state, I must have forgotten. Oh my god. I cried even more and didn't go back to sleep. I couldn't sleep without the lights on for what felt like forever. This nightmare still scares me, and even as I write this, my heart races remembering how it made me feel. I moved out of that house three years ago, and while I still have the occasional nightmare, it's nothing like they used to be. I think that the entity in my room may have been the one causing them. I have more stories about my childhood home, like waking up and being choked by this dark entity, my dad being visited by the boy ghost, and etc. But I'll save them for another time. Thank you for reading. I would also like to say that y'all truly brighten my day. Your podcast makes me feel like I'm having a conversation with some friends and I've told everyone I know about it. Keep up the good work. See you on the other side, Katie. That is, I can't (laughs) describe everything that I'm feeling because number one, absolute horror. That's how I feel. (laughs) And then the dog coming, her dog coming to save her from beyond the grave. Like that is your spirit guide. That's your, your protector. Yeah. I just, it makes me wonder if perhaps this spirit had presented itself in the past to the dog when the dog had been alive. And so the dog knew that maybe it shouldn't, shouldn't necessarily pass on over the rainbow bridge as early as maybe it would like, because it had a job to do. It needed to protect her. Well, I also think because the way that Katie described the dream was that she had the dream, she woke up and then woke up again. But what if the mm-hmm. first time she woke up, she was really awake. And because she was in this, like, she was being haunted by this weird entity and could see it, that her dog, she was seeing her dog's spirit. It was right. actively there. And she could see both of them. And her dog was like, "Is oh, maybe her dog's always there protecting her, but only because she was in that weird in-between could she actually see him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But it's terrifying. The, like, the image of like her being interested and curious about what this thing was and then him saying, you should be scared and then ripping the thing off and it's her face, but bloody and all scratched. Nightmares. 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 That's literally nightmare inducing and that was her nightmare and it's even more terrifying. It's so Freddy Krueger. Yeah. I also just wonder what that place was and what the importance of it is because I don't know the way that it was entrancing her and Mm -hmm. like, do demons have homes? I don't, I don't know. Is there a good real estate market for demon homes? I mean, I'm always interested in tapping into new real estate markets. It's like Monsters, Inc. where all the monsters have their own home and then they go to work and peer into people's closets. But it's like, or maybe it's like their house has access to certain amount of people's houses and you pay more to have access to more houses. You know what? The next time this happens to Katie... Though I hope it it doesn't happen to her or to anyone else. But I do wonder if your response 
would change if you view it as a Monsters, Inc. type of deal, <laughs> where you're like, oh, that was really scary. Congratulations on your promotion. You clearly are one of the top dogs here. <laughs> but that would be scarier because then it's like, oh, the top dog has access to me. I know. I'm just picturing uh, Amy Poehler and Mean Girls saying, you're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> or whatever it is. Chris Jenner, I don't remember. One of the moms. One of the moms, yeah. Love it. But yeah, you're right. Because that means that you're on the list of a very powerful entity. Yeah. Oh. And so we hope that that doesn't happen again, Katie, and we're thinking of you. I'm glad you love that house. Yeah. I think I'd be scarred for life. Okay. Well, this it might be a little bit better because it's called The Friendly Farmer and The Pizza Ghost. Um, I want both of those. Yeah. It seems like it might lift us up a bit. <laughs> we need that. Hey, girls. My name is Brooke and I live in Ocala, Florida. I came across your podcast this morning while searching paranormal podcasts in the iTunes podcast app. Listening to your ghost stories and how you share inspired me to share my own with y'all. Although I have quite a few to pick and choose from, I'll share two stories that to this day still give my family goosebumps whenever they're occasionally brought up during our family cookouts. Love it. I love that. That's exactly what cookouts should be used for. Uh Ghost stories. All right. So I'll start with the friendly farmer story. Apparently, when I was a little girl, probably around the age of four, and I'm now 23, our close family friend named Mary had bought a new house on a piece of property. My family had offered to help her move in and unpack. To make it easier on everyone, Mary invited us to stay the night after spending the whole day moving and unpacking her belongings. So that next morning, my family could just finish up and we could all go home. Well, Mary's husband is an early riser. So the next morning when he came out of their room and walked into the kitchen, he had noticed that I wasn't on the couch, which was where I had slept the night before. Confused, he cracked the door to the room my parents were sleeping in and didn't see me in there. Slightly panicking, but not wanting to scare anyone, he began to search the house for me, only to realize that I wasn't inside anywhere. Right when he was about to wake my parents up, he heard giggles coming from outside, and he went to the back door and he opened it. He said that he saw me running around the yard giggling, looking like I was playing some sort of game with an invisible person. Not thinking anything of it, he just called me inside to make me breakfast. After I ate, I asked if I could go back outside. Confused, he asked, why? Because there was nothing out there that he could understand would keep me entertained. He offered instead to turn the TV on for me, to which I replied, no, I want to go outside and hang out with my new friend. Apparently, this freaked him out a little bit. But he allowed me to go outside and watched me from the back door to see what I was talking about. After a few minutes of watching me, he said that I was talking to someone and that there wasn't actually anyone there and began hugging someone that wasn't there. He came out of the house and he walked over to me and asked me who I was speaking to, to which I replied, some man's name. I can't remember the name, nor can my mom. And also I began telling him that this man used to live here and that he planted all kinds of crops on the property and that he really loved this land and he didn't want to leave. And Mary's husband said that he broke out into goosebumps because I was talking so matter-of-factly about the man and this property using words that I guess a four-year-old wouldn't normally use. Oh my gosh. He ran inside to wake my parents. And when my parents came outside to see what he was talking about, they found me walking the property Holding hands with someone that wasn't there. Oh my gosh. The craziest part about this whole story, however, was that a few weeks later, after they moved in, they had received a piece of mail addressed to their home with the same name that I told Mary's husband was the man that I was playing with. Needless to say, they were spooked. Oh my gosh. 
The second story, I was around the same age of four. My mom was a nurse who worked night shifts at an elderly home. So my grandma would watch me when she would leave for work. Well, one night, my grandma had ordered some pizza for dinner. And after the pizzas were delivered, my grandma had called me into the kitchen to eat. When I walked in, I had asked for another plate of pizza with two slices. Confused, my grandma pointed out that she already had a plate made for me. To which I replied, I know, grandma, but this one isn't for me. This is for the man in my closet. Oh, my God. My grandma didn't know what to say. (laughs) She was terrified and thought perhaps someone had broken into the house and was hiding in my closet because she was single at the time and it was just the two of us in her home. She said she grabbed a frying pan from the rack and made me get behind her as she walked to my room. After opening my bedroom door and stopping in front of the closet, she said she ripped the closet door open as fast as she could and started swinging the pan, expecting to hit an intruder. (laughs) To her surprise, though, there was no one in the closet. Annoyed and relieved at the same time, she turned to me and said, Brooke, there isn't a man in your closet. Which I replied, I know, Grandma. He's standing in the driveway now, waving goodbye. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) When she looked outside, there was no one within sight. When my mom got home from her shift, she said she found my grandma sitting at the dining room table, finishing off a bottle of wine, <laughs> looking pale as a ghost. When my mom had asked her if she was all right, my grandma told her the story. <laughs> I have a bunch of stories like this growing up. My family's convinced that I had the gift of speaking to the dead, and I believe it myself, considering that I continued to see spirits up until the age of 13, which was the age that I saw my last spirit. Both mediums and psychics run in our family blood. So who knows? I don't remember much of these stories except for the ones that happened when I was older. But thanks for your time and energy, Brooke. It's amazing how just imagining having Brooke as a child (laughs) and the fears that her family probably experienced daily. Oh my gosh, absolutely. But also... Like imagining you you move into a brand new house, you're so excited, your friends are staying the night because they helped you move in, and the first morning you realize your house is haunted. Granted, the farmer seems very friendly and nice, and I'm sure they didn't have many troubles with him, but you're just like, oh, I moved into this new house, I probably spent a ton of my life savings to buy this house, and it's haunted. And confirmed haunted within two weeks, because it's one thing to have a child come out and have, I mean quite dramatic to have a imaginary friend that's not actually a ghost and do hugging and handholding and all of that. That's pretty, you've got yourself a ghost there. But if you were really taking the stance of a non-believer being like, this child is just clearly has made up an imaginary friend and none of this is true and I can sleep at night. And then two weeks later, getting a piece of mail with the same exact name that that a little four-year-old had just given you two weeks before saying that this was who was next to her? Or who she was holding hands with? No. But also, at the same time, so cool. Like, the talent that she has. This story brings me so much joy, but I think only because I wasn't on the receiving end of being the homeowner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or her grandma. Her poor grandma. <laughs> her poor grandma. She's drinking wine like, oh my gosh, my granddaughter Cinco's. So funny. Wow. It's for the man in my closet. (laughs) I'm sure she told these specific stories for a reason, and she probably has many others, but these ones seem like they're very perfectly normal and fine ghosts. Yeah. But I wonder if there were any, since she was so open, if she had any scary experiences. And too, Brooke was saying that she remembers more of the experiences that happened later in life, which makes sense, because if 
clearly her four-year-old self thought that this was quite normal and didn't see anything out of the ordinary. And so it makes me wonder too, how many more experiences went unnoticed? We only know about these two because there were other people involved, adults who remember and recall this event. Oh my gosh. Just like her in her bedroom talking to ghosts all night. Yeah. I will say when I was in Vermont a few weeks ago, I had my mom check under my bed one night because I was nervous. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) You know, we never really grow up and grow out of those fears. They, They persist. Okay. I have one more story and then you have one more story. This is from Michelle, and it's called Cryptids, Demons, The Whole Shebang. Hey, y'all. First, I just want to say thank you for creating such an amazing podcast. It definitely makes the 48-mile drive to and from work more interesting. There's a running joke that TGOG is the most haunted podcast in America, and I'm starting to think that's true. The women in my family are pretty sensitive to spirit in different ways, be it clairvoyance, audience, prophetic dreams, or even a few weird cases of telepathy. The point is, growing up, it was not uncommon to have a paranormal experience. As I got older, though, those experiences happened less frequently until they stopped altogether. That is, until I started reconnecting with my spirituality and also listening to this podcast. Ever since then, I've been able to pick up on the energy signature in the room and even hear spirits again, not all of which have been friendly. I have one rule for any being that enters my apartment, though. It's that you must please stay out of the bathroom And, you know, the bedroom, if grown-up time is happening. (laughs) All of that was to say, this podcast is definitely haunted, or at the very least, makes the listener more aware of the spookiness that's been around them the whole time. But if anyone is even remotely sensitive, get ready for a wild ride. Anyway, I've always wanted to write in and share some of the more spooky things my family has experienced. We're a tight-knit family in a rural town, which means we settle on the same big stretch of land. Growing up, my grandparents had 10 to 20 acres that we all lived on. There was a house built in the 40s, a small farm with goats and chickens, and two trailers, mobile homes, one that nestled right up against the woods that my grandparents moved into, and one closer to the road. This land had all kinds of activity, so I'll share the two spookiest, most interesting ones since this email is already hella long. Okay, cryptid or demon spawn? Question mark. My aunt told us this one encounter where she'd forgotten to bring the laundry in off the line, so she had to go out to the backyard before bed to get them. Mind you, there are no streetlights in the boonies, and it's pitch black. Great for stargazing. Oh, maybe we should go here. Mm. Maybe not, depending on the story. (laughs) Yeah, let's see how this one ends. (laughs) Great for stargazing, but terrible for, well, just about everything else. As she's pulling the clothes from the line, her dogs start to go crazy. They're barking and howling, just generally losing their minds. My aunt is obviously a little spooked and quickens her pace when she hears this loud thudding noise. She looks and she sees things chasing her little chihuahua across the clearing between the woods and her house. She described them as strange goat slash dog-like creatures, and they all had red eyes. And it happened more than once. What's eerie is that several times after this, her son, let's call him Jay, would come out to keep her company and, being a mischievous kid who didn't really know what was going on, thought her fear was kind of funny. So he'd make this terrifying screeching noise that, according to her, sounded exactly like those creatures. Years after this happens, I'm in high school at this point, and her story somewhat becomes a legend in our family. We're all out on the back porch of my grandma's house, the one that's right up against the woods. It's nighttime, and my Mima, my grandma, brings out this thing made for bird watchers that lets you hear them from far away. And we thought it would be funny if Jay came out to call the creature. So he preps his vocal cords 
and starts screeching. And nothing happens for a while, and my papa laughs at us. But then my Mima hears something. She said it sounded like paws hitting the ground. And then the neighbor's dogs on the other side of the woods start going nuts. And now we can't hear this thudding noise since Mima has the headphones on. All we hear are the neighbor's dogs and our dogs going crazy. And then Mima passes the headphones around and we hear this thing getting closer. It sounds like it's darting from one side of the woods to the next in matters of seconds, breaking twigs and branches as it goes. And now we're all starting to get scared. My papa laughs nervously, shakes his head and says, Nuh-uh, y'all can have that. I'm going inside. (laughs) Mind you, he's easily 6'4 and pretty solidly built and doesn't usually intimidate easily. Everyone, eight plus people, goes back inside and leaves us dummies out on the porch. It's me, Jay, who's probably seven or eight around this time, my aunt and my Mima. All the big macho men just abandoned us. We're just waiting and listening as Jay continues to make this screeching sound and summon this creature forward. And then everything goes silent, like dead silent. Even the dogs fall quiet and our hearts are racing. We're almost in borderline hysterics, but we can't seem to go back inside. It's that masochistic sort of giddiness where you know it's dangerous. You might very well die, but your curiosity tells you it's a good idea to stay put. Mm -hmm. We tell Jay to stop making the noise, but being a kid who enjoys the action, he keeps going. And something huge smacks against the metal carport, maybe 50 yards from the porch. The yard is pitch black at this point, so we can't see anything. But that carport is too tall for any normal person to reach unless they're standing on something. As Jay continues his demon-like screeching, this creature continues to slam up against the metal roof of the carport. It's loud, and the banging noise gets louder and more aggressive, like it's warning us. It reaches a peak that's so loud our ears are ringing. We beeline it into the house, scooping up Jay like a football as we go, and we never saw what it was, but whatever it was was fast, loud, and somehow my cousin Jay could summon it. As a kid, he was hella creepy and had a connection with this mysterious friend named Man who would tell him to do bad things and teach him creepy-ass nursery rhymes. It's worth mentioning that this thing doesn't just prowl around at night. The woods were a pretty good hangout spot, and there was a huge tree that had fallen, which made it good for climbing especially because there was a thick vine that we like to swing from, like Tarzan. Some friends would come over to hang out, and we once took a stroll through the woods to the tree, and I didn't tell them the story yet, or that somehow it always felt like you were being watched in those woods. But as we get to playing on the fallen tree and swinging from the vine, I confess, and I tell them the story. They laugh it off at first, but as we move on to a different topic, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. And I said, do you all feel that too? Like something's watching us? Everyone stops. All three of us look around and listen, and we hear a thud, 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 like something huge with heavy paws is coming towards us. We can't see it, and we don't want to. It could have been a bear, but considering the previous events, none of us wanted to wait around and find out. Okay, this story is about demons. And while we've all had spooky experiences, seen shadow people, and even a UFO once, no one has had the level of experiences with malevolent beings like my aunt and her son, Jay. Not too long after he was born, she had what can only be described as a demon encounter. It was nighttime, she was exhausted, and woke up to hear Jay crying in his crib. So she gets up half asleep and shuffles into the kitchen and reaches to the light above the sink, the only light in an otherwise dark house, when all of a sudden she felt heavy breathing on her neck. She was still half asleep and told herself, it's nothing. But while she's punching in the time for the formula, the feeling remains and she can't seem to shake it. So she decided to turn around 
and comes face to face with a demon. She said it was tall, easily a foot or two taller than her, and she's 5'8", and it was wearing a dark cloak. It had sharp claws, and its face was hideous, and it stared at her with those menacing, hollow eyes. From the top of its head were two thick, curled horns. She said she was frozen. She couldn't scream, couldn't breathe. All she could do was watch as it got closer and closer to her face. But then she woke up. Her heart was racing, and she was covered in sweat, but Jay was asleep. She was thinking it must have been a really intense nightmare, right? Except, instead of laying in bed like normal, her legs were hanging off the side like she had just sat down and just passed out. Dazed and more than a little freaked out, she decides to go get up and get a drink of water from the kitchen. And that's when she realizes, the kitchen light is on. She knew that she had turned it off before going to bed. Strange. But it's explainable, right? But, as she's reaching to grab a cup, something tells her to check the microwave. And right inside is the bottle of freaking formula that... In her so-called dream, she was warming up. We have more stories, but I'll save those for another email. Stay spooky and keep up the amazing work. See you on the other side. Michelle, P.S. Savannah, Georgia is said to be one of the most haunted cities in the U.S. You should totally do a live show there and stop by the Sorrel Weed House. There's even an EVP they let you listen to from the investigation that Taps did. We'll have to check it out. Oh, you know what freaks me out is dreams When people think that they're dreaming and then discover that they were actually acting it out or something was happening and their understanding of what was truly reality is distorted. Right. And specifically in this instance, it almost feels like there's missing time. Like, how did her aunt get from the microwave where she saw this demon back to the couch? Yes. To the moment where she woke up. It's disturbing. Very. And it makes you wonder, makes you wonder, Sabrina, makes me wonder. (laughs) Makes me, yeah. All of us. When people lose time, is it a spirit manipulating this person and so triggering this loss of time? Or do you think it's our own body's fight or flight mechanism turning on and essentially blacking out our memory? Because what happened was too traumatizing and too horrifying. And so our body just shuts down and is like, yeah, let's forget about that one. I don't know because, I mean, it could be either. And I feel like it is known that our brains do do that where it forgets things sometimes when it's traumatic to try to help you deal with it and disassociate from it. But I don't know. I don't know. Or is it just like demons have this power? It's almost like an alien encounter almost. I saw a meme that made me think of you, Sabrina. (laughs) It was like Asterix gets abducted by aliens. And then it's like me. Huge fan. Thank you so much. So honored. (laughs) Big fan, big fan. Oh my gosh. Wait, if you find it, send it to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally screenshotted it because I was like, we should probably post this one on our Instagram because it's funny. I'll send it to you. Thank you. But, ooh. And then what the heck are these creatures in their backyard? Okay, my very first thought, well, first of all, when she was saying that there were creatures chasing her dog, I was like, fairies? Are fairies? (laughs) But then after, the noises and just, I don't know, just like the general kind of intimidation of the creature towards her, it made me really, uh... Think about skinwalkers. Yeah. They're common in like the middle of nowhere woodsies areas. So I don't know. Yeah. And here's the thing when it comes to cryptids and paranormal beings, in terms of boundaries, there is no time and geographical location. We can suspect certain things, but there's absolutely nothing confirmed in terms of what's binding them to any place or any space or any time. So could happen. Scary. I just love that everyone, like all the guys went inside and like, nope, 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 going back in. Oh, God. It reminds me of 
when in college, when we all saw a UFO go over our house mm-hmm. and my roommate Taylor, who was in like the film and television department, she immediately starts filming and we're all freaking out and crying and being like, no, go back inside. Like they're going to know you're filming. <laughs> and it just reminds me of that. Like she was the one that was brave and the rest of us were like, nope, nope, we're out. We're done. <laughs> I don't know. It is. It, there is that feeling. Right? And I feel like that's why we are drawn to the paranormal a lot. And I feel like a lot of our listeners are the same way mm-hmm. where you're just like, I need to know. I need to keep watching, keep experiencing to see if I can get some kind of answer. And also it's that confused and contradicting feeling within yourself. It's kind of like when you stand at the edge of the cliff. And part of you wants to jump for the thrill. The other part of you wants to run away. Mm-hmm. And then one part of you, the really disturbing part is like, well, what if something really bad happened and I just fell off? There's all of this happening all at once and you kind of have to like pull the right pieces out. Our minds are pretty sick. All right. What do you have? This is the last one we're going to read. So we are ending on a story from Jessica and her encounters is called Life Alert, Not Just for the Living. Ooh. Hi, ladies. I just started listening to your podcast last week and have, and this was in 2018, so hopefully she's still listening, <laughs> and have been binge listening at work ever since. I love the stories and encounters that you discuss every podcast episode, and I thought I would share one that is slightly humorous that has happened to me. My dad passed away in December of 2016. When we cleaned out his apartment, we brought a few boxes of his things over to our house to set them in our laundry room, which was right off the living room. One day, about six months after he passed, my husband and I were sitting in the living room while the power was out, and then we hear this woman's voice say, "'Charge soon.'" My husband and I look at each other with the WTF look on our faces and waited to see if it would happen again. And it continued, charge soon. The message continuing for the next little bit as we tried to figure out where the voice was coming from. Very funny, Steve, my husband said. Wait until the power is off if you want to charge things. Soon after, the voice stopped. A few days later, it started again and I was finally able to track it down in the correct box and realized that it was his life alert, an off-brand, but same idea, button. Silly me, I plugged it in instead of just letting it wear down the rest of the way. Fast forward about a year and about two weeks ago, they put my grandfather on hospice and I was very upset as he was like a father to me. I came home that night and I was crying as one would be in this situation. And all of a sudden from the office, I hear, charge soon. I started laughing and I said, okay, daddy, I get it. And the voice stopped. The next day, I was packing for a short trip and I heard, charge soon. Again, I went into the office and picked up the life alert looking for the power button so that it wouldn't upset my pup the whole time that I was gone. And it doesn't have one, by the way. As I was looking for it, I asked out loud, how do I turn the power off of this thing? And all of a sudden, the voice said, powering off. Oh. I just shook my head laughing and walked out of the office. Fast forward again to that Sunday, and my grandfather passed away while I was on my way back home. That Monday, I was working in the office for a couple of hours trying to find pictures on my computer for the showing the upcoming weekend. I was getting really upset, and I couldn't find the picture that I wanted to use, and so I walked out of the living room. No sooner than walking out of the office did I hear, charge soon. I thought to myself, really? Didn't that power off before I left Friday? I didn't plug it back in the last time. And so I walked back into the room long enough for it to say, charge soon, almost immediately followed by powering off. I just shook my head and said, I'm not sure which one of you it is, 
but I love you too. Mm. And I've not heard from the life alert since then. And that was about a week ago today. I just can't help but imagine my dad looking at my grandfather and going, watch this as he messes with his only daughter, LOL. I'm not sure if there's some sort of electronic reasoning behind all of this, but there are too many coincidences in the timelines for me to think that it was not my loved ones messing with me. Thank you so much for reading my story. Keep up the great work and I can't wait to get caught up on the podcast. Jessica. Wow. Okay. I'm curious, Jessica, because what, it's been two years now since she sent that email. I'm so curious if she's ever had any experiences since and like if it's been around her talking about her dad or her grandfather. I know. Yeah. I, and it's interesting too, to think that perhaps her grandfather did end up using the same sort of messaging, mm-hmm. but they collectively were like, this is how we're going to let Jessica know that we're here. And I have to say, Corinne, that voice charge soon was very good. Oh, thank you. I believed it. I bought in. I was like, shoot, what do I have to charge? Well, that means a lot. You can hire me for $3 <laughs> an hour. <laughs> wow. On my resume. That's nothing. $3 an hour, Corinne? I know. Well, I've got no credits. I'll pay so you I more. Gotta, I got to start somewhere. I'm a free <laughs> intern, voice actor. <laughs> I know. I'm curious, too, if there's been anything else that Jessica's noticed, especially because a lot of what was happening was specifically around the time of the death of both her father and then her grandfather. But it does seem like her father was the one messaging her initially. Right. Right before her grandfather passed away because there was about a year and like two week gap. Right. And it's interesting that the messages started up again right before her grandfather passed away. So it's like her father was saying like, I know this is going to be a hard time and I'm here for you. I know, kind of almost prepping her. If she's heard charge soon again, it would make me curious to know if the charge soon comes in a time when she needs that extra support or if it's turned into the signal of, hey, something, something's going to happen because it could be both, you know? Interesting. Jessica, please let us know. Let us know. Let us know. And everybody else, if, if you guys have weird and interesting and cool or spooky or whatever encounters that you want to send our way, please do. Our email is twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. You can find our email on our website. You can find it in our show notes. So if you just like swipe up or scroll, scroll down on the desktop on the episode you're listening to right now, you'll find it. And there are so many ways you can support us. You can support us by joining our pyramid scheme like Kaya and telling all your friends about it. You can support us on Patreon if you feel inclined, if you're able and willing to do so. You can also write and review us on iTunes. Corinne, I have a story review because I sent you that one review that was like, oh, I can't believe you said Aaron Burr was president. I was like, I probably said it once by accident. I knew it was Alexander Hamilton. And I was like, I wish I could respond. Well, someone, and I don't know who, rated us and reviewed us and said to the person said, shut up. Oh, really? (laughs) To their review. And I was like, oh my gosh. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, if anyone doesn't already know, Sabrina reads all of the podcast reviews. I don't because <laughs> I get my feelings hurt too easily. But Sabrina battles through them and the majority of them are so wonderful. But every once in a while, when you get a bad one, you're like, I wish I could respond. Yeah, I'll like send it to Corinne. I'll screenshot it and send it to Corinne. I do this with good ones too, but I screenshot the bad ones and I like, <laughs> I'll basically tell Corinne my response to that review. Yeah. Because I need to get it out of me. I also like that. Although I actively avoid it because my feelings get hurt, I still see them because you screenshot them. (laughs) them You don't need to read them. I do. 
I'm here. We're each other's crutch. We're here to support each other. And thank you to all of you guys who continue to support us and write wonderful reviews and come to our defense clearly. (laughs) Yeah. And we will see you on the other side.